there's, a, there's so much love at this church. I, I love it, and I, I love to tease John because he's amazing. He's got, he can, he can take it. He's awesome. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't so long ago. I'm, I'll t- I'm going to tell you a couple of stories real quick about John, so don't leave. I mean, you're not going to have to come up here, but I just want everyone to, to be able to look at you. Um, <laughs> that he answered the phone in the, in the office, and he, and he said, you know, you know, Monterey Baptist, this is John. And, oh, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I am. So what's up? And I went, and I looked at him, and he, as soon as he said it, his eyebrows shot up, and he, I, and he, as soon as he was off the phone, I looked at him, and I went, where did that come from? And he goes, I don't know. I don't know. What would cause me to say, what's up? Um, John's, John's amazing. So um, one time, and this was last year, he was on the phone with Liz, and Liz was uh, at her other job, and um, and uh, John was trying to get the password to the email. Do you remember this, John? No. So he's on the he's on speakerphone with Liz, and he's asking her, "Do you know what the the password is to our email?" And she said, um, "You know, I think it's I think try Jesus is Lord." And and so he's on the computer, and she's on speakerphone. And he types, Jesus is Lord. And he goes, nope, that's not it. And she says, try Jesus is Lord with a capital J. And he says, okay, Jesus, nope, that's not it. And she goes, try Jesus is Lord with a capital J and a capital L. Nope, that's not it. Try Jesus is Lord with all capitals. Nope, that's not it. Try Jesus is Lord one. Jesus is Lord one. Nope, that's not it. Did you have any capitals? No. Go ahead and try the capitals. <laughs> nope, that's not it. Um, try grace is true. Grace is true. Nope, that's not it. Try it with a capital G. And I'm going... <laughs> and he's got... Patience made of steel because I left and I called my wife to tell her what the, what the funny conversation that was happening in the office. And when I came back, a solid 10 minutes later, I walk back in and I hear John go, nope, that's not it. <laughs> Still working on it. Still working on it. But we have... We have a lot of love um, in this church, and uh, a lot of love for people who uh, haven't been here in a while. Katie's back. Katie, it's good to see you. I'm glad that you're here. Um, for Imogene, who's, uh, Imogene, it, her ability to be here is a blessing to us, and Hannah hasn't been here um, for quite some time. She moved back to Albuquerque, so we're glad that you're back with us. And well, It's just a big family, and I love that we just love each other. Amen? Amen. Amen. So... I appreciate you allowing me to be a little bit goofy and interrupting John's announcements. It's just, it's just love. But um, if you're visiting our church this morning, my name is Aaron Crawford. I'm the pastor here. Uh, it's good to see you all, no matter who you are. Um, several weeks ago, we began a journey going through Philippians. And I think it's been about three months um, or so. So we've been in this letter for a while. 
Uh, Paul wrote this letter to the Christians in Philippi. In the second half of the letter, because we're winding down, uh, Paul is taken to pushing the Philippians forward. And that's what we're calling the series Press On, because he says, leaving behind what's behind, I press on. I press on. So he's pushing them forward. He encourages them to, uh, to go forward toward Jesus. And he emphasizes the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. And he reminds them that their citizenship is in heaven. It's not here. And he tells the Philippians to rejoice in the Lord and to focus on the things in life that are good and that are honoring to God. Um, this week, I read chapters three and four of Philippians over and over again. And you really get a sense when you read it over and over that all of this is, is Paul's way of telling them to press on and how to press on and to move forward in life. The word that, that comes up a lot in chapter four is peace. Paul wants them to move forward and to keep chasing Jesus, but he's not driving them forward. He's not, he's not, he's not like a, a rancher. He's not cracking the whip and saying, you have to move, you have to move. He wants them to move forward with peace, full of peace and confidence that forward is God's will. And I think it's interesting because when I think about it, God's will is never going backward. Have you noticed that? God's will is, is constantly pushing us forward. Backward is never what God wants for us, even with forgiveness. And this, I was trying to think, am I right about this? And I thought, what about forgiveness? Forgiveness looks back at a sin, but it does that because the sin is still with us in the present and it frees us. Asking for forgiveness frees us from that sin so that we can move forward. It is still about moving forward. God, God's will for you is always to press on and to move forward. And this morning we're going to continue where we left off last week as we press on. And the issue that you're all excited to hear about, because the word just exudes, oh, I'm so excited, is contentment. Aren't you excited to hear about being content? Doesn't that excite your spirit? Well, let's, let's figure out why it should. If you have a Bible and you'd like to follow along, please open it up or turn it on and find Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. If you're using the Bibles under the chairs, it's on page 982. We finished last week. We got through verse 9. So here we are in verse 10. And this part's really interesting. We're going to go kind of slowly through it, just take it one step at a time. Verse 10, Paul writes, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Let's just focus on verse 10 first. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Remember that Paul planted the church in Philippi. God had led him on a different path than he was expecting and led him to cross the sea into Greece. And while he was in Philippi, a bunch of stuff happened. We talked about this at the very beginning 
of the, the series when we started going through Philippians. But a lot of things happened, and he ended up converting at least a couple families in Philippi. Uh, they were the first Christians there, um, and that was the beginning of the church in Philippi. A church is essentially the, the believers. So the, the church in Philippi are the Christians in Philippi. And he loves these people. They've supported him financially. They've written letters back and forth uh, to him, and they've encouraged each other. But from this, from verse 10, you can tell that there was a, a period of time when their support for Paul had gone somewhat silent. And Paul in this verse is rejoicing because after a while, they started sending their support again. And they, started, they sent someone from their church. His name was Epaphroditus. Um, and they probably sent some financial help along with him while he was in prison. So he's saying, and in verse 10, you're hearing his heart. He's saying, man, it's good to hear from you guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase a little bit to, to, to draw out some of the meaning. Man, it was, I was so glad to hear from you again that you've revived your concern for me. Not that you, not that you had stopped caring about me. You just didn't have a chance to show it. And I understand that. That's what Paul is saying. And you're hearing Paul's heart. And if you read between the lines, which, in the, which is sort of dangerous to do with the Bible, but I, I think we're safe. If you read between the lines, Paul's saying it was hard for him to go for so long without seeing signs of their love and care. Now, maybe you've experienced that in your own life. Maybe there's someone in your life, you know that they care about you, but you haven't heard, you haven't heard from them in a long time. You know they care. Maybe you know that they pray for you. Maybe uh, you know that they love you, but you haven't heard from them. Or maybe that's true, but in reverse. Maybe you really care about someone in your life, but you haven't reached out to them in, in quite some time. There is a difference between knowing that someone loves you and seeing that someone loves you. Amen? There's a difference. And Paul is saying that it was hard for him to go for so long without seeing that love and seeing that care. Keep that in mind as we look at the next verse. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need. Uh, I'm not saying that I needed something from you, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. The key word is content. In whatever situation I am to be content. In Greek, the word here is really two words stuck together. One word is self, and the other word is enough or adequate. Content means to be that, that I, I have enough already. In other words, I don't need anything that I don't already have. There's a sense of that self-sufficiency or self-reliance in this word content. I'm content. I don't need anything. I have everything that I need already. So Paul's saying, I'm very grateful that you're showing me your support again. I missed it, but I didn't exactly need it because I've learned that no matter what's going on, I have learned in whatever situation, I don't really need anything that I don't already have. 
Now, let me just mention that this might sound ungrateful. Does that come across as ungrateful to you? It does a little bit. Hey, thanks for reaching out, but you know what? I was fine. Sounds a little bit ungrateful, but it's not. So what he's, what he's trying to do, what he's showing them is his incredible trust in God by telling them essentially, I'm never in need because God always provides everything I need to do what he wants. So he's teaching them still in the middle of him sort of showing his heart and saying, like, I really, I, I really appreciate it. And it was hard to go for so long, but really what you need to know, and this is the lesson is, is I have what I need. I have what I need. If God wants you to build a castle, he'll give you everything you need to build that castle. Amen? Amen. It might not be the kind of castle you want to build. It might not be the size that you want, but he will provide what you need to build the castle that he wants. And that's important to understand because sometimes we go through life and we're expecting God to bless our plans that I want to build this kind of castle. And I believe that that's something that God wants for me also, but he's only providing enough to build this small castle. God provides for you everything you need to do what he wants you to do. Always. Always. And knowing that, knowing that in any situation, God's provided everything that you need to do what he wants, that's spiritual contentment. That's your ability to say, I don't need anything that I don't already have. That doesn't mean you can't ask for more or want something else. God wants you to ask, but at the same time, we have to be content with what he's provided and we have to look for how what God has provided allows us to do something for him. What is it that he wants us to do? All right, he goes on. This is verse 12. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any circumstance, in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul's circumstances have taught him to adapt to any situation. And he's been in a lot of crazy circumstances. We talked about that a few weeks ago. This same idea of adapting, adaptability, came up earlier in this same chapter. We talked about it a couple weeks ago when Paul told the Philippians, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. We talked about what reasonableness means in that, in that passage, and, we, and I explained that it was referring to a kind of flexibility. And here again, he's describing that same ability to adjust based on what's going on and to adapt to different circumstances. If you study church history, one of the things you'll find is that the church is always adapting. It's always reforming. Corporate gatherings of Christians today look very, very different from they did 100 years ago. 100 years ago, you wouldn't have had the sound system like it is. You wouldn't have had the screens like it is. You wouldn't have had the chairs like they are. You wouldn't have had um, a lot of the things that we have, a lot of the, the, the ways that we do things now aren't the same as they were even 100 years ago. 
they're certainly different than they were 200 years ago. And they're a lot different from they were 500 years ago. And they're way different from how they were a thousand years ago. And we're only going halfway back. The church is always reforming. It's always adapting to the changes in, 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 the, in time and in, in the, what's available to us. Churches in America look very different from churches in Iran. In Iran, it is, it's legal to be a Christian. It's just not legal to talk about it. And Christians are heavily persecuted in Iran. I- Iranian churches are eight, ten, maybe a dozen people. And that's really as large as they can get while keeping security and making sure that they aren't being uh, in jeopardy. So in America, churches have a big building. We have a big cross. We put a sign on it that says, Monterey Baptist Church, dot church. In Iran, they don't do that. They can't do that. They adapt to their situation. Churches have done that for 2,000 years, have adapted For us individually, as Christians, we have to adapt also to learn how to be low and how to abound, how to to honor God, whether we're uh, facing plenty or hunger, whether we have an abundance or we're in need. How do we honor God? Because you go through both. You go through all of those things. And if you only honor God when, when, when life is good and you don't honor God when life is bad, your life is not honoring to God because your life is filled with good things and bad things. We have to honor God in both. That requires us to adapt. Peace and contentment with our situation, no matter what situation it is, it sometimes hinges on that variability, the ability to shift and adapt to our circumstances. And write this down, because sometimes God doesn't change your situation. He changes you. Sometimes what God is doing in your life While you might be praying and asking God, please take this away from me. Please release me from uh, what's going on right now. Sometimes God is, is waiting for you to change. And that's what Paul says, is I've learned, I've learned that my situation can change. But as my situation changes, I have to change with it. And I have to learn to, to honor God when I have and when I don't. As Christians, we should want God to change us. Amen? That's part of it. That's a huge part of it. When you give your life to Jesus, you're saying, here's my life. Change me. Do something in me. You're the potter. I'm the clay. Mold me. Shape me into, the, into who you want me to be. And that is something that we're constantly working on. If you've been a Christian for two weeks, if you've been a Christian for 20 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, you're still in a position where your heart should be saying, God, change me, teach me, mold me. I want to be what you want me to be. We have this eagerness 
to change. The whole point of following Jesus is to be more like him. And James chapter 1 tells us that God uses the difficult situations in our lives to produce maturity and hope. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, trials, hardships, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Other versions say that you may be mature. So be prepared and adapt to your situation and grow and let God do something in your life and in your heart. And the secret to that, because he says, I've, I've figured it out. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And here's the secret. So Paul says in Philippians verse 13, 413, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Amen. The whole idea behind being content is that I have everything that I need already. But this self-reliance that, that Paul has, that he's learned, it isn't in the end really self-reliance. He's not relying on himself. He's really relying on Christ who gives everything that we need to get through those hills and get through those valleys, both in a way that honors him. So the secret to being content, the secret is dependency on the Lord. Because God is pointing you toward a thing that he wants you to do, and he is shaping you into what he wants you to be. And to a degree... You know, the more I think about this, and I just can't shake it, so I'm going to share it with you. I keep thinking about MacGyver, and I'm sorry. He's a, he is a mentor of mine growing up. MacGyver is able to look around and figure out that he already has everything that he needs to get, to get where he wants to go. The difference for us is that we look around and we trust that God has provided everything that we need to get where he wants us to go. But to a degree, we have to be like spiritual MacGyvers and you have to look around at your situation in your life and say, what has God provided for me that's going to help me get to where he wants me to go? But that's a dependency on the Lord, where you're not looking around and trying to figure it out for yourself. You're not trying to make your own way. You're saying that I trust, I trust that God is always going to give me what I need to get where he wants me to go. Not not necessarily where you want to go. Remember, Paul's in prison. So when Paul trusts that God has provided everything he needs, guess what Paul doesn't have? He doesn't have a way out of prison. God has not given him a way to get out of prison. He probably doesn't have a a way to get a good night's sleep, a way to contact his, his friends easily, a way to get a good meal. But Paul understands that those aren't the things that, that God is trying to do with Paul in prison. So it doesn't say that God will provide all of your wants. It's that God will provide for everything you need to do what he wants you to do. I can do all things 
through him who strengthens me. Now, be careful because this verse gets misused all the time. This, the verse 13, I can do all things who, through him who strengthens me. It gets misused a lot. Does it mean that you can do anything? So if you were in the youth ministry this morning, you would have heard Bruce telling the youth that this verse does not mean that you can just do anything that you want. How do we know that? How do we, one of you kids, how do we know that? How do we know that's not what it means? Right, it's all about the context that it's in, right? You have to understand that Paul's not saying just, you can, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do anything I want. What's he talking about? Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, was making a statement about God's provision, about a, an economic, a material provision that God gives to us, a statement that God will never lead you to a point where he will not sustain you. What this is saying is that God is never going to leave you high and dry. He's never going to put you in a situation and then just leave you to figure it out on your own. He will always provide what you need to honor him. But it might feel like you've been left high and dry if you're not depending on him to get you through those highs and those lows. If you're depending on yourself to figure it out, you might feel like you don't have what you need because you're not looking where you need to look. And then finally, verse 14. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. This uh, passage sort of bookends a nice little theology of, of thankfulness. Paul was grateful for their support, even though he was content without it. I, he didn't need their support, but he really was genuinely grateful for it. Um, and I'd like to echo his statement. Because a couple weeks ago, you guys gave me a gift and some cards, several cards, for Pastor Appreciation Week. Thank you. It means a lot to me. It meant a lot to my family. Um, I'm not good at saying thank you. I'm clumsy. Uh, I think a similar kind of clumsy that you see in Paul... (laughs) thanking the Philippians. Thank you guys. I was, I rejoiced greatly, even though I didn't need it. (laughs) But thank you. It, it, it meant a lot to me. And, and I, and I know, and you know that I don't do it because, you know, I don't get through the year because pastor appreciation week is, is going to show up. You know what I mean? That's not sustaining me that, you know, I do this because of Jesus, period period. And uh, the, the love helps. The gratitude feels great. The olive garden was delicious. But everything that I need to be your pastor, Jesus provides. And honestly, sometimes it might be in a gift card. It might be in a, in a card that just says, thank you for being our pastor. 
when you get something from somebody, the gratefulness that you have has to in part be because this might be something that's coming from Jesus. And it might be something that you need right now. So the gratefulness that we have is to the whoever provided it, but it's also to God. And we, all, we always say thank you, but we say thank you to God also. But thank you guys in it. I, I know I'm clumsy with it, but it, I'm really grateful for, for, uh, for those gifts and those cards. As we uh, wrap up this sermon, I think Paul, Paul's point in this passage is really clear. And he's just saying, God will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. That if he takes you to a place and he puts you in a situation, he will take care of you in that situation. Maybe not the way you want him to, but, but he has a plan for you. There's something he wants you to do. And if you find it, you can depend on him to provide for you to do that thing, whatever it is. And I want you to think today, this morning, I want you to think about your current situation, the circumstances of your life today. We all go through highs and lows, amen? We all have things in our lives that we wish were different and things in our lives that we wish we could change. Circumstances. On your outline, I put two blanks. The first blank is for you. It says, I would love blank. And I don't have an answer for you. I just want you to think about something that you would love to have. Maybe that's healing. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's joy. Maybe it's friendship, a relationship. Maybe it's romance. Maybe it's time or energy. Maybe it's a second chance. Maybe it's forgiveness. Whatever that is, you're not being graded. I just want you to think about what's something that you want. What do you want? Once you filled that out, keep thinking about the circumstances of your life. But this time, think about what you already have. Instead of thinking about what you want, think about what you have. And know that you have what you need right now to do what God wants you to do right now. And then you can fill in this blank. I would love something, but everything I need, I have in Jesus. God will never lead you to a place and leave you high and dry. No matter what situation you're in, 
God provides what you need to honor him there. And in the end, honestly, all we really need is Jesus. If we can't figure out what else we're supposed to do or why we're in the situation that we're in, Jesus is the ever-present rock that we can rely on. He is the centerpiece of our lives. He is the cornerstone that everything else is built around. And if you, in whatever situation you're in, maybe things are great, hallelujah, praise God and honor him there. And if things are low, if you feel like you're stuck in quicksand, and you feel like the more you work, the, the, the deeper you sink, there is a rock, amen? There is a rock that you can always put your foot on. He is always there, and you can always put your foot on Jesus. And he will stop you from sinking. And he will provide a way for you to get where he wants you to go. It might not be what you want, but it is what he wants. Jesus is completely sufficient for us, no matter what we're going through. Because like Paul said earlier in the letter, the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. He could take everything away And just knowing Jesus would make it worth it. Just knowing in your heart that God loves you. You know what? Just knowing it in your heart is nice, but honestly, like Paul said, sometimes seeing it helps. Well, let me encourage you to look around and see signs of God's love and his care, his affection for you and his provision for your life all around you. All around you in the church, in your life at home, with your finances, with your health. If you look, if you play MacGyver a little bit, you look around, you will see that God has provided all kinds of stuff for you. And he is truly taking care of your every need right now. And tomorrow, he'll do the same. Amen? And the next day, he'll do the same. And every day, God provides what you need to honor him that day. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. Thank you for, for your word and thank you for the, the Spirit's ability to, to, to shine a light onto the, the word and to to illuminate it and to show us what we need to see. And God, I know that, f- that for me, uh, this week's passage, this message, it meant a lot about my own peace and my, my, my contentment with my own life and knowing that, that God, I, I've got my own plans, but I really need to constantly repent of chasing after my own plans and I need to put you first. And God, if the only thing that that we get out of this passage this morning is to keep putting you first, God, that's enough. But we know that the the passage and your, your spirit are pointing us deeper into trusting you and deeper into just knowing that you, you will take care of us, and you have taken care of us, and you'll continue to take care of us, not in ways that we want you to all the time, but always in the ways that are going to honor you, always in the ways that you need us to. God, help us to see you in our lives. Help us to see how you provide for us, the, the, the blessings that we have, the provisions 
that you've placed into our lives. And help us to trust that, that we have everything that we need to do what you want us to do right now. God, I know today some people feel stuck. Some people feel like, like they're stuck wherever they are in life. God, help every one of us to know that right now, today, right now, we have everything that we need to do what you want us to do right now. We don't need anything other than what we have. We have everything we need to honor you today. God, help us to be faithful today and help that to build a trust in us for tomorrow and for the next day and the next day, knowing that you will always take care of us and you always have. You're forever faithful and we're forever yours in Jesus' name. Amen.